Hello, welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We're a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who simply love Jesus and want to journey through the ups and downs of our faith together. We're so glad you're here. Currently, we're in our series called Psalms, a curated playlist. Do you ever get just a section of a song stuck in your head and it just keeps playing over and over and over? Anyone? It's called an earworm. Apparently, scientists wanted to call it the stuck tune syndrome, which sounds logical. But apparently some Germans 100 years ago said, well, it's kind of more fun to call it an earworm. It's a good visual. So that kind of became popular. An earworm happens in the auditory cortex of our brains. And scientists have been trying to figure out, like, what goes into making a song stickable in your head. Here's their formula. They said the receptiveness that we have, like how we take in the song, you got to have both predictability and surprise in the melody. Melodic potency, I couldn't figure out what that was. Rhythmic repetition. So there's a lot of people, they say that nine out of ten of us will get one stuck in our heads for at least an hour. And many people have tried to come up with the top earworm songs of all times. There's conflicting lists. Go look them up sometime. You will get some stuck in your head. I'm going to say a few for you. I hope the titles get in your head. We've got Do Re Mi, It's a Small World After All, YMCA, We Will Rock You, Never Gonna Give You Up, which you probably knew that one, Single Ladies, Who Let the Dogs Out, Shake It Off, and Happy. Those are some earworms over the years. Now, I feel like I'm very susceptible to them, which is why I don't like when Steve chooses the music in the car, because when I hear a whole song, then days later, I will wake up and it will just be there, whether I want it to or not. But the problem is, with this series, Psalms, a curated playlist, we're talking about music. And inevitably, every week, I have gotten a song stuck in my head, on my own, just because everything in life ends up being a song lyric, if you're like me. So this week, we have been talking about uh, a variety of psalms, seven different ones in our list, seven different topics, and they've all start with the letter P. If you recall, we've got praise, poetry, personal, and petition. Those are the ones we've gone through. Last week, Chris talked about a psalm that David wrote that was a petition to God. And the next one's coming up, pain, prayer, and public. So today, our psalm talks about pain but it also talks about hope. Because if you notice a lot of songs, we said that music can be therapeutic to our lives and songs can help us process. And a good song will work through pain and help us process pain, but also try to give us hope that there's something better. How's that going? Yeah, I'm echoing a little. It's Echo Church, it's fine. So, in all of this, if you can focus, thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> come, come with us, Lord. So, the earworm that I got in my own head this week was that I was thinking about music and taking a sad song and make it better. I just kept singing that. Hey Jude by the Beatles just was in my head all week. Like, how do you take a sad song and make it better? So since it was stuck in my head, I went down that rabbit trail of, okay, I feel like I've heard the story of why Paul McCartney wrote that in the first place. So I went to refresh my memory. And he wrote it out of a situation of pain. 
for someone else in their lives. The summer of 1968, John Lennon had left his wife, Cynthia Powell, and began a relationship with Yoko Ono. And Paul wanted to give encouragement to John's son, Julian. He was only about five at the time. But John said, here's, his, or here's Paul's words. I thought as a friend of the family, I would motor out to Weybridge and tell them that everything was all right, to try to cheer them up, basically, and see how they were. I had about an hour's drive, and I would always turn the radio off, try to make up songs, just in case. I started singing, hey, Jules, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. It was optimistic, a hopeful message for Julian. Come on, man, your parents got divorced. I know you're not happy, but you'll be okay. I eventually changed Jules to Jude. One of the characters in Oklahoma is called Judd, and I like the name. Now, Julian Lennon says that he does not recall that moment as a child, but he has been grateful over the years for the gesture. In 2014, he told CBS News on this, that was the 50th anniversary of the Beatles coming to the U.S., and he said it's pretty special. One can't not appreciate the fact that someone was thinking about you and your life and your situation. So one of the greatest hits of the Beatles was written from pain. And I kept wondering how awkward was it for John to sing that every time in their concerts? Like it was about him. But I did also read that John loved the song as, as a composition. And he even said, you know what? I feel like subconsciously some of those words Paul was writing was to me. So he took it on and he processed all the stuff that went on in his life and their friendship that separated. And he, he connected to that song over the years. So that's the thing. Music can challenge us where we are and to try to help us carry on. And that is the type of song that we're looking at today. We're going to go in Psalm chapter 22. It's one of David's greatest hits. And we're going to find that he's talking about pain, but he doesn't leave without hope. So let me read for us verses 1 through 2 this morning. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You might have heard those words before, and maybe you connect them with Jesus because he quoted them. We're going to get to that in a minute. But first, let's look at David himself. We have talked about through this series, because I didn't realize how many were written by David, he had some issues in his life. He had enemies. He had people coming after him. He was not, he was always a wanted man, it seems. So he had a lot of pain to process. And here he says, God, you've abandoned me. I mean, that's honest. Yet he felt safe enough to do so, to be in God's presence and to say something doesn't feel right. And I love that he could speak his truth to God. And notice David doesn't stop there. We're going to look throughout this psalm. There's waves. There's waves of pain. There's waves of hope. It's like he can't have one without another. So right after he says all of this, verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted you and were never disgraced. I 
imagine that as David is in his despair and he's feeling abandoned by God, I feel like this is him reminding himself that, okay, Israel, my ancestors, my people, they were also in pain. They also felt abandoned, yet God showed back up. So I feel like maybe he was repeating this to himself to be like, okay, I can get through this. Other people have done the same. And maybe that's helpful for you. If you know someone who's been in a similar situation, when you go through hard times, it's nice to just see someone else has survived. That gives us hope, right? So this is David talking through it. And then the next wave hits another low point. Verse six, but I am a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. David not only feels abandoned by God, but by the people in his life. He feels like everyone is just mocking him, despising him. He feels alone. And that's when he realizes God is present, perhaps. Verse 9, you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth and you have been my God from the moment I was born. So back to his reminders that God, yes, he feels far away now, but he has been present. We're not going to read through verses 11 through 21, but there's basic detail where David goes through and he just says, I've been attacked by people. You know, this is how he feels abandoned by the people in his life. And he talks about, he describes them as wild animals, that his heart is melting like wax. It's very poetic. Again, think about this. It's in a song. So he's probably like really trying to draw on metaphors, really get people's attention. Who knows what it sounded like at this moment. But then he turns and he says that he wants other people to trust in God. He starts to speak not just to God. He turns to his audience and says, brothers and sisters. Okay, he's speaking to fellow believers. And he calls on them to praise the Lord, verse 23. In verse 24, he says, God has not ignored or belittled our suffering. He has not turned his back, but he's listened to our cries for help. And that's the reminder that we need, that that it feels lonely sometimes, yet we're trying to remember that God is not belittling our suffering, that he sees it and he is with us. And through the end, he gives words of hope that we read earlier this morning from verses 25 through 31. He tries to praise the wonders of God. And maybe again, that's a reminder. Maybe he's telling himself, like, it's okay. It's okay to praise even in the hard times. So that's David's perspective as he wrote the song. But Jesus quoted it, so there's something special here. But before Jesus even speaks aloud, we read in Mark 15 that Jesus is living out some of the very verses from Psalms as he's on the cross. Verse 24 of Mark 15 says, The soldiers nailed him to the cross and divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. Well, let's look in Psalm 22, verse 16 talks about his piercing my hands and feet. 
Verse 18 talks about dividing up my garments. So the very thing that David had sung about and he was using as metaphors became real, became real in Jesus' life. And verse 29, sorry. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. People who are walking by the cross as Jesus is on it. The priests and the teachers, they even mocked Jesus. They said, let, he can't even save himself. And compare that to verse 7 and 8 of Psalm 22, where David is being mocked and sneered at. People mock that he's relying on the Lord. Again, Jesus is living it out. So then we finally get to verse 33. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus didn't speak those words solemnly. He didn't whisper it. He said he called out. He cried so that everyone could hear nearby. Now, I often think like, okay, well, Jesus is quoting scripture and it's a psalm. But it kind of didn't really click with me until recently. Like, but it's, it's a song. Not just like a psalm. A song. So we find out that at the beginning of this psalm, that this is for the choir director, a note that says this is going to be sung to the tune of Doe of the Dawn. I don't know. Maybe that was a popular tune. Maybe David decided to take something well familiar in his culture and write words to it. So Jesus is saying words. It's not only words, but it's going to get a tune in somebody's head. He's giving people an earworm. What, what does that mean? Well, I think that not only is Jesus quoting, he's trying to give significance so that maybe the next time they hear that song, now they have a different picture in their minds. Now they can remember something significant happened, that Jesus died. And I don't know if that happens to you, but when you hear a song at a certain point of your life, it gives it new meaning, right? Right? Or do you ever hear a song now and you're like, oh, I had a physical reaction there. Maybe it made you think of like someone in your life who's no longer in your life. Maybe it made you think of really amazing times. But songs have this power because they seep into something deeper into our memory. And I think when Jesus is trying to take this song and give it new meaning. Now, historians, theologians, they look at it and say, well, is Jesus just quoting verse 1? To say he feels abandoned, or is he trying to reference the whole psalm? Maybe both. Like, I think if Jesus says, I feel abandoned by you, God, that he's being honest in that moment. And if you think about it, he's in physical pain. He's taking on the sin of the world, so there's, there's an emotional pain, a spiritual pain there. If he's, if he's taking on our sin, then there's... There's this barrier there. You know, when we, when we sin, when we hurt one another, there's this guilt feeling. Jesus had never felt that before. If he's holding our sin for us, holding our guilt to himself on that cross, it had to feel painful. Had to feel the abandonment that we feel. He took that on on the cross. And so I feel that him quoting, my God, why have you abandoned me, was a very real emotion in that moment yet also if he does get that song in people's heads 
then maybe they'll keep singing it and get to verse 24 that says, for the Lord has not belittled our suffering. He has heard our cries for help. Maybe they would keep singing and remember verse 26, that all who seek the Lord will rejoice, will praise him and their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. Don't miss this. David cried out in pain, wrote a song about suffering. And in it is a prayer that this suffering would mean something. Jesus was in pain, quoted the song, and his suffering became the answer to David's prayer. Jesus, he didn't just die, but he rose again. And so his suffering meant something, provided a way out for us. His pain demonstrated that we are not abandoned, that our suffering will be redeemed. Don't you see? Jesus took that sad song and he made it better. Now, it was fun to play with a Beatles lyric this morning, but I know the topic of pain is not, it's not easily swept away. And I know it causes probably the most doubt in our lives. When we're in pain, when we see others in pain, it makes us question. It makes us question God and everything that's mapped out for us. And I think he gets it. I mean, Jesus knew why he was suffering and yet he still cried out. And so I want us to know today that even if we don't have the answers to why, that we have permission to cry out. We have permission to cry out. If it's something we've done, we've messed up, that's fine to still say, okay, yeah, it was my fault, but it hurts. If it was because we're in pain because somebody else made an idiotic choice and we want to punch them in the face, it's okay to say that too. And to say, God, help me not hate them. And maybe it's just random circumstances and you think, why is this awfulness in the world? It's okay to cry out to God and ask why. Because I think the father will hear. I think Jesus will empathize. I think the spirit is close as a breath. We're not alone. And I believe God suffers with us and for us. Pain is something we all experience. And even though I may not be able to relate to your specific circumstance, I can relate when you are in pain because we've all felt it. So we can all empathize with one another. So I don't want us to leave without this call. We are called to go step in, step towards someone who is suffering. If we hear someone's sad song, don't back away, but step in. It's going to feel awkward. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Most of the time we don't know what to say. But when you're hurting, do you really need somebody to say something, or you just need their presence. So if you're willing to get through the awkwardness, I don't think it feels awkward for the person on the other side. They just need a friend with. And when you show up, you bring Jesus's presence into the situation with you. So for us as followers of Jesus, I believe that's how we take a sad song and make it better. We pay attention. We empathize. We step in. And we can remind people of Psalm 22 that the Lord is not ignoring us, but he's hearing our cries. 
And I know that it's hard for us to do that for ourselves. And that's why we have one another. I can't fix when I'm in pain. It, I can't figure out my way out. I need you. And I'm sure you feel the same way. We need one another to step in for us. So whose sad song will you notice this week? Make it a little better with Jesus's presence and with your own. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for music that we can listen to songs that are written for worship or we can written, listen to songs that were our big hits on the radio. But we can still find healing, find processing, find encouragement in those words and those tunes, those notes that hit just so in our hearts and our minds. And may your love resonate in our minds like an earworm that we don't forget that we're not alone, that you suffer with us and that we can stand by others. We bring these things before you and say thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Echo Church. If you ever want to join us in person, we're located in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. That's E-C-H-O church dot O-R-G. Have a great week.